price for Thursday, July 6, 2023. Coming to you from the Go-Go Sports Studio built by Arborly here at the iconic Wall Center, downtown Vancouver. If you're looking for a spot for a drink or dinner by the airport, we suggest the apron at the Western Wall YBR Eat Local Eat Fresh. Eat well, Matt Sikers, alongside Blake Price, Grace Ass, hitting switches, conducting things. And this show, a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group. Applewood Auto Group, proud to be a leader in community giving. Applewood's mission is to make things better for our communities and the people that we work with each and every day, whether providing resources for education, kids, sponsoring local events. Applewood Auto Group stands behind its mission of creating lasting change in our community. Get the best-in-class experience only the Applewood Auto Group can deliver because, Blake Price, it is all good at Applewood. Bodog poll question today. We're asking you, which Canucks prospect gets you most excited? Jonathan LeCaramacki, Archer Sealoff's Tom Wheelander, you can vote for other, and if you do, please do tell us who you're referring to. At Sakarison Price on Twitter, Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. BC Lions are seven and a half point favorites Sunday at home against the Alouettes at BC Place. I hate laying seven and a half points. Oh, I almost never no, I hate bet. It too. Seven and a half points. Like I'm in some of these spread pools where you have to make a call on the seven and a half point spread. I love it if I like the dog, but I don't like it. I'm less I'm, likely in the NFL to do it. In the CFL, I'm more comfortable. I, I hear you. I hear you. But it's still that hook beyond the touchdown. Yeah. Just, mm-hmm. The psychology of it. I either go. I find it hard to get over. Two and a half or six and a half. I'll buy the. You'll buy the, the alternative yeah. line. Yeah. I, I remember once in the early days of online gambling. I walked up to a Vegas uh, sportsbook wicket and went, blah, 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 and I'll buy the half point. And they're like, sir, there's no buying half points here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going Lions to win by one to six points. And that pays three times your bet. So I'll take that. Be a little more specific on your Bodog line of, of the day. Yesterday, Blake, we asked them, Will Tyler Myers be a Canuck on opening night? 1,300 votes, yes or no? What won the poll? Mm, mm, what are people thinking on that? Um, I'm going to go no. Yes, won the poll. Ah, 61%. Sean said, unfortunately, yes. Bobby said, we've come this far. More value if we trade him at the deadline. Bonus payment is holding up any trades right now. I think that's right, Bobby. And then Blackout says, my guess is they will trade him to a playoff contender at the deadline for a younger center that checks the boxes. That is wishful thinking. Yeah, exactly. But I do think you could get something for him at the deadline. I do think you can get something for him after this bonus is paid in September. A few things we want to get to with the Vancouver Canucks here. Development camp wrapped last night with a scrimmage at UBC. More on that in the welcome mat with some comments from Chris Higgins on LeCaramacki, Wheelander, and just the overall messaging coming from the Canucks organization to this group of prospects. I voted LeCaramacki on the poll because of the word excited. Wheelander may well be the better prospect. He's the more important prospect at a more important position. I had the same thought. He's the more likely prospect. LeCaramacki is a shooter. He's a goal scorer. He's a right shot, too. He's got the highest ceiling. If if all of those people hit... (laughs) The most exciting player in that group yep. would be LeCaramacki. And yet Silovs is the one of the three that I think is playing NHL games this year and may affect the club in a bigger way, at least in the near term. Mm-hmm. And heck, if Wheelander and LeCaramacki don't make it, he might be the only one 
to affect the club, but I suspect we'll see NHL games from those two. Most first-rounders do play in the National Hockey League. They get many, many chances, and lots of good stuff here from LeCara Mackey and his continued development and evolution. Again, we'll hear from Chris Higgins in a bit. Dollywall joined us yesterday, and he says they're still looking for a cheap veteran center, and he name-checked some wingers there as well. In Maxime Contois of Anaheim, who wasn't qualified, we talked about him, Mm -hmm. and Danton Heinen. Heinen's an ex-BCHLer. I don't know about that. I mean, I know you're looking for a bigger-bodied winger. One of those hybrid guys you talk about. Is he a hybrid? Does he play the middle some? A lot kind of in the middle, wing. Yeah. Uh, Just turned 28, Heinen. I mean, two years ago, very nice season in Pittsburgh. Go back to that early first season he had. I remember we had him on the show, Blake, when he scored 16 goals for the Bruins, kind of out of the blue in 2017 Had a good playoff run with the Bruins the year yeah, he after. Did. He did. Hasn't stayed. Not a lot of consistency yeah, there. Yeah, not a lot of consistency I think he's there. A, but he's he's a winger. Yeah, I think he's a winger. but yeah. And also, I'm not sure there's anything untapped in, with Heinen. No. You you wonder at 24 years old if there's still something untapped with Comtois. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And wheels, But too. again, we're looking at it over a longer term and who could help the Canucks over the next several years. They may well just be focused on this year and what gets us over the playoff bar. grind it out to the playoffs, which is odd. But Suter remains an interesting name here, Blake, and continues yet another day. I mean, each and every day here, I think, okay, well, we'll come back the next day's show and and he'll be off the board. He's still there. I mean, the Canucks could sign him and just be that much more over the cap. It's just and then say you, we'll figure it out in September. Yeah, you're over a barrel with the Myers trade at that point, but yeah, maybe you're over a barrel to begin with. All three of those guys, though, that Dolly linked, mm-hmm. all left shots. Are they going to add a right shot center? They've talked about it. Mm-hmm. They've needed it since Brandon Sutter left. Yeah, but this is now is just not the time to get it. No, you don't. You don't force that issue because, um, because you are hung up on it. I think you just deal with it when you can deal with it, and that was not the time to deal with it. I don't. I don't mind the, the shout either. Like, do you go with a guy like Suter, or do you wait till the training camps are, and and the waiver wire at that point? You might find somebody there. But if they're adding more wingers, they got to do some subtraction as well here. Yeah, it's just adding more to the books. I just, I, I, I fundamentally don't get what's holding up Suter. I mean, unless there's things from his camp that are just unrealistic. Three years in the league, 14, 15, 14 goals, 27, 36, 24 points. He's the center. He's 27. Yeah. Anyways. They might be asking for Sun, Moon, and Stars. Yeah, I mean, it may well be. Evan Rodriguez got four years, so maybe that's what they're holding out for. But I do think he's a cut above Teddy Blucher. More news yesterday from Canucks Yore. Mm-hmm. Who you got in mind? Alain Vigneault. Oh, yeah. He done. He gone. Says he's retiring. I got to say, I'm a little surprised. I, I do wonder whether this is a decision made because Alain didn't get a sniff this year of some of the head coaching jobs, didn't hear him connected to anyone. I am a little bit amazed, though. We've seen a lot of old coaches recently. Like Rick Bonus getting another break this many years later, yeah, and he got it twice now with Dallas and Winnipeg. Um, 
I, I think this league has proven time and time again they are willing to hire older coaches. Mm-hmm. I I think Elaine Vigneault makes this decision in a vacuum that he just he wants he, he just wants to live yeah. his life. I know he loves coaching, but I know he loves head coaching. I don't think you'll see him like Mark Crawford later in life back on a bench in an assistant capacity as that veteran assistant. I think he likes coaching, thing, but it's it's a different feel than a guy like Hitchcock or even Boudreaux, who like it's their like that every is their five zone yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't feel like that with him. The one thing I do wonder, because we made this hot take long ago, and it was almost too <clears throat> on the nose, right. as someone would say, that Alain Vigneault once again coaches the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, that was the one thing I held out. Blake, you've got a first-time head coach of the Montreal Canadiens right now who's taking the club through a rebuild. Mm-hmm. I suspect Marty St. Louis will be given enough leash to get to the playoffs at least once, maybe twice. But in two years' time. And then what profile of coach will you be looking for after Marty St. Louis, knowing full well mm-hmm. you've got to hire a bilingual bench boss? So I... I I've sort of received this news a little bit like hearing that a very credentialed boxer is retiring. And I go, okay, we'll see. Or, and this is a the, the longest of long shots, what if there's a second team in Quebec? Well, and that's a very good one, too. Well, it's a very good I one. I mean, I don't on think... A, on, yeah, a, on a half of a 1% yeah, chance. No, there's not going to yeah. be another team in Quebec. But if there was yeah. another team in Quebec, that's yeah. where uh, Quebec City is where Alain was born, if not raised. So, yes, I would think that they would be looking for a bilingual head coach if they ever get a team, but I don't think that's happening. Uh, The Lions Sunday at home against the Montreal Alouettes, as we've been telling you all week, it's Fam Fest, all sorts of characters in attendance for the little ones, Paw Patrol, Mickey, Pikachu. And today we talked about how Pro Football Focus, PFF, the data firm that Chris Collinsworth owns is partnered with the Canadian Football League this year and this year or this month PFF named Sean White as the league's highest grade kicker for the month of June Mm -hmm. so congratulations to Whitey we're big fans we'll have him back on the show at some point we're giving away Lions tickets but you better get in today because Grady's picking a winner and we'll announce on tomorrow's show text hashtag Lions to 778-402-9680 Chance to win two tickets, a food and bev voucher, and a gift card for the team store. We'll have Vernon Adams on the program tomorrow. And I will say this. Typically, when you play a Monday game in the Canadian Football League, you're looking at a short week. You're looking at a Friday or Saturday for your next game. You probably lose a practice day. The guys are probably a little more beat up and ailing than they would otherwise be. And as we have talked about with this Lions schedule, boy, it works on so many fronts. Works for attendance with the afternoon starts in the summer that they've been able to backlog the Friday night and evening starts into the fall. And also to get some rest and recuperation for your football club after playing a statutory holiday Monday game back East. Mm -hmm. Whitecaps home Saturday, to the Seattle Sounders, a Cascadia Derby. And look, anything shy of a win here puts them in peril. They're on the final playoff spot in the West. 
they were to lose or draw and Minnesota takes care of Austin, Minnesota would jump them on the same number of games. Minnesota's the one team that has the same number of games played as Vancouver, and they both have games in hand on everybody in the MLS West. As many as two, yes. The other thing that a loss would do on Saturdays, at that point it really puts you out of touch, I think, with the top three in the West. Now, you may not catch St. Louis, Seattle, or LAFC to begin with, Although after you won in LAFC, when you know a little bit of dare to dream was going on here. So you'd be 10 back of Seattle if you were to lose. And as we've talked about, you have these three successive home matches and then you're effectively on the road the rest of the summer. So this is a big one for Vanny Sartini and the Caps. Funny the one win though. They they beat, oh, I know. They beat Seattle. They're four back of second place with two games in hand. But that's the stakes here. Yeah. Like that's how dramatic it is especially in soccer with the three points for the win. Big swings. That's how big the swing is here. They have three home matches before the league's cup break. Mm-hmm. Like to, to make sure they are looking good, they have to sweep. They, they well, need to go 3-0. You know, and, and the other thing here, Blake, is you've just scored a terrific victory on the road against LAFC. I think it helps for your morale, psychology, and frankly as a sign to the fans that, look, we can play and beat the best teams in MLS West. Yeah. You know, our ceiling isn't just get into the playoffs and hope. We're looking to get a home game. We're looking to win a playoff game. Yeah. So you beat Seattle on Saturday. You have a lot of that messaging in your quiver. This is the downside. You lose and Minnesota jumps you. Uh, sadly, there's going to be a little bit of, oh, same old caps. This is the downside in sport when there's no juggernaut in your conference. Like the good news of having a juggernaut in your conference is ultimately hard to get to the final, but it's really hard to make the playoffs if you don't have one. Because if one or two teams aren't gobbling up all the wins, that's it. They're taking care of and eliminating teams for you. Right. Yeah. Now everybody's in it. Like the West is completely wild. Like yeah. it is so wide open. Also on the soccer front, the Canadian women's team has arrived in Australia, the Gold Coast, to begin their World mm-hmm. Cup. Journey World Cup starts a couple weeks from tomorrow. An announcement of Canada hosting World Cup qualifiers at BMO Field in September against Jamaica. They haven't played at home since June of last year. And of course, all is not well with the players and the leadership, or I guess the ex-leadership of Canada soccer. Yeah. And collective bargaining is still ongoing, and it's, uh, yeah, it's an, uh, an unideal situation. No. And uh, let's hope that it all gets sorted out. I, I really hope that they can get the business side done so we can just focus on the oh, soccer. Oh, for sure. Like, come on. For sure. I mean, we've already had one World Cup, I don't say ruined, but tarred. Yeah. With complaints from the players about... This, that, and other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it would be an awful shame of a second one because, as we've noted, this is one we can actually win. These are the defending Olympic champions. Yeah. This is a team that, with a break or two, could easily be in the final and hoisting a trophy, which would be pretty awesome for Christine Sinclair, given this is likely her last World Cup, and God knows what she has done for that program and for the sport in our country. I saw said the the other day again this she's never been nominated for player of the year yeah. in FIFA. I don't know how that happens. How does that happen? I don't know how that happens. You have Wayne Gretzky in your sport. How's he she not lifting hardware? Yeah. Yeah. 
Vancouver Canadiens lost last night in Hillsborough. Devereaux Henderson is the Northwest League Pitcher of the Month. That's the seventh league honors to a seized pitcher this season, although most of them are by the week. It's the first monthly award. Slovak Irish Canadian Adam Mako on the mound for Vancouver tonight in Hillsborough. He's quite a story. Came over from the M's last year in the Tasker Hernandez trade. Time now for Golf Report, brought to you by the Arnold Palmer Design Whistler Golf Club. We know you know of the group outings, the buddy trips up at the Whistler Golf Club, but have you have you heard of all the other amenities? The Nike Pro Shop, featuring exclusive footwear apparel worn by Tiger, Rory, Brooks, Scotty, Nelly, and more. And Palmer's Gallery Bar and Grill, featuring one of Whistler's top 10 patios. A beautiful spot, pre-round, post-round. For more info, to book a tee time, visit whistlergolf.com. Keep an eye out this weekend because uh, Nick Taylor is back mm-hmm. on tour. He uh, played the U.S. Open immediately after his Canadian Open win, but then said, okay, <laughs> this has been a lot. We yes. all know you're excited about me winning, but uh, yeah. this has been a lot. So he took a step back, and this is his first time back, and it's it, on a, a depleted field tour uh, stop, so there's a chance for Nick Taylor to, to make some hay. Um, so let's hope he makes the weekend and, and can build on some momentum and mm-hmm. uh, keep the pedal down here. So uh, good luck to Nick Taylor in his return to golf after basking in the glow of the Canadian Open. World. And, and I know we're ramping up to the Open Championship, the final men's major of the year, and that's all well and good. But the eyes are on other prizes here with these Canadian golfers to not only secure your spot in the FedEx Cup playoffs, but how far you can go. And as we also talked about on yesterday's show, uh, you got a Presence Cup team next year in Montreal, Royal Montreal, led by, captain by, Canadian Mike Weir. So a lot of eyes are going to be on these Canadian golfers. And, you know, we were talking yesterday, Blake, and we'll see what happens at the CP Women's Open here at Shaughnessy. Mm-hmm. Has there ever been a season this good for our country in this sport? Well, by sheer volume, I, I don't think so but like I mean, we've never had this many winners on the pga tour no no but mike we're winning multiple events in a year would be yeah would be Fair enough. a big year but mike but, we're winning the masters is obviously a huge deal brooks won a couple of majors tour championship for we're two i mean he, mm-hmm. he's he had Ames a couple won good a years. players championship mm-hmm. but i mean you can make a case i think that this has best been the best year for canada on tour yeah, and especially if Brooke can do something here in what's left of the LPGA majors and U.S. Women's Open on now. And by the time you're listening to this podcast, she's probably underway uh, mm-hmm. because of that late tee-off time in round one. By the way, at the U.S. Women's Open. Congratulations to S and P listener at Canuck Steeler. They have won the fifty dollars Best Buy Canada gift card. Tell me they listen every day, and they will be putting the gift card towards a golf watch. So no more excuse, excuses, Canuck Steeler. Fairways and greens. Happy hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing Neighborhood Brewing Workshop Spirits and the Penticton V season well underway. Means it's time to visit the Neighborhood Watch. It's a vendor experience at the South Okanagan Event Center. Enjoy your favorite neighborhood beers while attending any event or a Penticton V's game. And Blake and I have been there several times. Fantastic vantage point. End of the workday. Treat yourself to a yellow dog neighborhood or workshop spirit. 
Let's get to today's menu brought to you by De Dutch, De Breakfast, De Brunch, De Dutch. Get it all at De Dutch. Uh, big show today. We got J Pat on all things development camp and on Alain Vigneault's announcement. We're going to the people. We mentioned that yesterday that we just pushed the people segment. Rob Williams on whether Alain Vigneault belongs in the Canucks Ring of Honor and on all this Tyler Meyer speculation. We'll get to some hashtags as well. Reminder, for the people segment, you can text us 778-402-9680 to the Great Clips text message inbox. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, They've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question to ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect, and I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the Bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here. Right now. No scripted welcome at today. We're going with some audio from Vancouver Canucks executive Chris Higgins. As you know, Chris is involved with their development program, skills and development mm-hmm. coach. And so he was presiding yesterday at UBC as the development camp wrapped with a scrimmage. I resent Chris Higgins, by the way. He has uh, refused to age. He looks like he could play right now. Yep. He looks exactly the same as the day he retired. Very frustrating for us old folk. Yes. Get get fat, please. <laughs> like the rest of you us. You have an excuse now. Chris. Yes. Uh, incidentally, just turned 40 last month. Did he? Yeah. 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 He was asked for a prospect that stood out. And he picked the first round pick from last year. Take a listen. Well, the guy I bring up would be Jonathan Lacaramacchi. I mean, it just looked, uh, looked, you know, it was a lot for him to come over, do the draft, then come right out here. He looked a little bit tired from the time change and all that. And, you know, this year he looks like a completely different different player, more confident, um, you know, more sure of himself. So, uh, yeah, it is, it's it's hard. I mean, it's hard for us. I was, I'm tired, you know, like, <laughs> I'm tired. So, yeah, you know, we get we got back at three in the morning from Nashville, and the next day guys were rolling in. So it's it's been uh, it's been a long stretch, but uh, we're really really happy with how uh, things things turned out this year. Yeah, a lot of delays getting out of Nashville this year. Ask uh, our friend Cam Robinson mm-hmm. about that. I'm glad, I'm glad I'm glad he was tired. That's good. That's a good sign of aging. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like no, is, is a high point for sure. Yep. Yeah. And you wanted to see this because you wanted to see him build off what was a strong close in playoffs to the Alsvenskan season. He is moving up to a Rebro in the Swedish top division on loan because his club team, Jurgerns, did not graduate, get promotion back to the SHL, which is just astonishing. I mean, that I always thought of Jurgerns as the franchise yeah. in that league. So many great yeah. players have come through their ranks. Uh, although, of course, it happened to Moto, the Twins team. That's right. A couple of years ago. So, yeah, LeCaramacchi tracking and building on what he showed the second half of the year. Because as you'll remember, first, ta- 
first half of the year was very tough for this winger. Um, couldn't be trusted at the World Juniors, didn't get on the ice much, was not doing particularly well in the second division of Swedish hockey. Uh, you know, a skinny kid who's kind of a one-trick pony, and more on that with Jeff Patterson going forward. Now, the thing is, it's the trick that everybody wants. It's the shot. He is a goal scorer, a guy who can even score from distance, so it's good to see him showing well at development camp. Here's Higgins with a word or two on the first-round pick this year, defenseman Tom Wielander. Smart, quick feet, um, strong for his size. Yeah, I'm really happy that he's coming over, <laughs> obviously, to play college hockey. It's a much quicker trip for us. Mike Omaserik lives in Connecticut, which is a quick trip. You know, we got Jackson Dorrington, uh, Celebrini, so he's going to get a lot of love. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're great program. We're really, really excited that uh, that he's come over and, and – um, uh, get himself accustomed to the small rink, which I find is a big big change for a lot of the European defensemen especially. Yeah, we talked about it last week. Uh, Swedish defensemen aren't used to being forechecked. And you will be forechecked yeah. at Boston University in college hockey. And, of course, Higgins would know a thing or two about college hockey as a guy who went to Yale University. Dorrington, incidentally, is a defenseman, six-rounder from last year's draft. He's at Northeastern, but that's also in Boston, so... As Higgins notes, Commissaric, it will be uh, easy viewings for him with those three defense prospects all in the city of Boston. I think he basically gave us the evaluation that all the draft insiders were talking about last week. Good skater. Yep. Needs to get a little bigger. Strong for his size. Got mobility. Smart, heady game. And you hope to see all that flourish next year with the Terriers. Higgins was asked if there's one thing the prospect should take away from this camp and employ in their summer routine. Take a listen. Uh, elite conditioning. That's, I mean, that's, if we we're going to go where we want to go, that's, uh, we need guys that set the bar uh, from a conditioning standpoint. Um, you know, certainly, um, you know, an area organizationally that we've, we've identified. Better get those washboard abs going, boys. <laughs> You want them to mimic the Higgins workout routine? Strong core. Your suggestion? Well, he's singing from you-know-who's hymn book, and, and Rick Tockett's effect on the organization is already taking hold there when you got the development guys telling the prospects, look, elite conditioning is what is expected of you if you're going to be a Vancouver Canuck. And, of course, that 2011 team that Higgins was a part of there were some finely tuned conditioned guys uh, on that team. I, mm -hmm. I saw our Rob, our, our buddy Rob Williams, tweets that uh, quote tweet that the prospects are doing the grouse grind, and he said, you know, Daniel Sedin, how many times are you doing the grouse grind? Yeah. Oh, you just once? Oh, that's cute. Not going to be in elite condition if you can't do it more than once. The Sedins eat breakfast while they're doing exactly. it once. Exactly. <laughs> That's welcome, Matt, for today. We invite your feedback. Feedback channels as follows on email live at scaresomeprice.com. You can text 778-402-9680 to the Great Clips text message inbox. On Twitter, at Matt Sikaris, at Price, And a welcome at a presentation of Northland's Golf Course, Metro Vancouver's premier public golf course. You can book your tee times 90 days in advance. Join their loyalty program. Price the next round could be free. The patio overlooking the golf course is a great place for a bite or a drink on a beautiful day like today. Details, golfnorthlands.com.
It's the Carson Price from Wall Center, a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group. And hashtags are the best and worst of Twitter, Blake. I'm going to lead us off with that Byron M. Bater. As you know, I like Mr. Bater's. Uh, I like Mr. Bater's analysis. Hockey He's a master. Cross, uh, prospecting. <laughs> what? <laughs> Never mind. You were saying? Oh. Hmm. Very sly. Hmm. Very juvenile. I'm so, did Bro Jake just grow roll up? Grow up. Get this, it together, the champ. It says pardon. It was subtle. It was very subtle. Yeah, it was very slight. Yeah. Uh, NHL team prospect pool strength rankings post draft. Where do you think the Vancouver Canucks slide in? Mm, I don't know what the metric is. They were bottom five before. The what are they draft. measuring? Like what, prospect pool strength? Yeah, just so subjective. Um, well, I think he would argue there's a little more. He's got data a magical yeah. form analysis here. here the but, algorithm. Yeah. Uh, I'll go twentieth. Grady. Well, I already saw this, so oh, okay. I'm out. Thirtieth. Wow. Ahead of only the Islanders in Boston, they actually lost two spots. After this draft class. Wow. Which is a good reminder that we sat here, and rightfully so, talking about the improved Canucks prospect pool with Wielander and Brustevich. Everyone else got better, too. Like yeah. There are very few teams that yeah. didn't improve their prospect pool via this draft. So the Canucks are actually down two spots in his ranking. He was not a big Wielander guy. Mm-hmm. And the lack of star power also hurts the Canucks grade. And as we talked about, yeah. they took seven players last week, but none of them high have ceiling, that big sort swings. of high-ceiling, yeah. big offensive. No. Uh, and he's got a very interesting top five Vancouver Canucks prospects. Who do you think number one is? Ooh, okay, well, you're saying it's weird. Yep. Um, God, I can't think of anybody else out of and, and the Karamaki. So um, uh, was it one of those two? Ratu. Oh, okay, yeah. I thought you were going weirder than that. He ranks them Ratu, Lakaramaki, Wheelander, EPD, yeah, and Linus Carlson. So he doesn't have Siloffs in the top five, although I don't know if he qualify. was accounting for yeah. goaltender. Goaltending is a separate category in his. Um, I don't think I disagree with the five bodies. Um, I could maybe slide it to somebody else in, in number five. Yeah, like, I mean. Like Klamovich had a good year. Klamovich, Prestevich, and um, um, McDonough would be the ones where you look at and go, okay, like we we forget, by the way, I've been meaning to bring this up. Danilo Klimovich was a half point per game last year. Yes, as a 19, 20-year-old in the American Hockey League. Which right? is tough to yeah. do. No, very tough. Like, his improvement has been linear yep. so far yeah, since the draft. Yep. I mean, so long way to go still. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. He was, the, he was the guy who was two years away from being two years away, but we're through the first two years. Right. So now, does the rubber hit the road this season for Klimovich? So I would maybe slide him in, just in terms of ceiling, at the very least. Yep. Um... Got two more good ones. I'll go with this one. This day. We haven't dealt with this story, so we should probably should at Devin underscore Haru. In 2022, Bauer Hockey paused its partnership with Hockey Canada, specifically its equipment arrangement with the men's world junior team, and redirected those resources to girls para and other initiatives to grow the game. Now reinstating after Catherine Henderson appointment. Um, there's a new yeah. CEO of Hockey Canada. Catherine Henderson comes over from the curling community. And uh, it was good enough, just the very announcement for Bauer to say, okay, we're back. Um, We'll see where this goes. We'll see if a bunch of other sponsors start to 
go back to the Hockey Canada barn, if you will. There's still some people there that were a party to all this. Yeah. Yeah. So. And uh, and as we've seen with Canada Soccer, even mm-hmm. the appointment of of somebody who appears qualified oh. and a woman is not enough to satisfy a lot of people. Exactly, like it, 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 that in and of itself is not going to. Uh, although I do think Charmaine is going to be successful when it's all said and done, because to know Charmaine is to adore Charmaine. She is an incredibly talented politics communicator, politics, administrator. Yeah. Um, so I see, I see. Canada soccer turning around under her leadership. I'm less sure about Hockey Canada, although it's got a brand that people want to get behind. Yeah. But and we, ha- we haven't yet litigated the 2018 World Junior episode, so there no. is still plenty of, I would think, um, difficult times ahead for Hockey Canada. And equality was a big thing for Henderson at Curling Canada, um, making sure that uh, the women's side of curling in the country was being treated the same way as men. So I'm sure she'll bring that demo to the uh, hockey ranks. At NHL underscore watcher, Friedman on Dumba. Matt Dumba, still unsigned as we discuss here today. I don't know this for sure, but suspect that maybe San Jose could have a spot from there. San Jose is trying to trade Carlson. They're still talking to Carolina. They're still talking to Pittsburgh. At this point in time, it hasn't happened. Is Matt Dumba going to a uh, John Klingberg redux this summer where he has to accept a one-year deal at bigger money and bet on himself, much like Todd Bertuzzi. And I'll throw this out at you, too. If you can move Myers and most of the salary, yep. are you in the Matt Dumba game if you're the Vancouver Canucks? Yeah. Because that's a much higher-end offensive player. More in his prime. And yes. a right-shot guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, so he's just better. Yeah, he's better. I, I, like, yeah, I think it's debatable how much better. Mm-hmm. Because Cause his lows are very low. Completely, he, but he, loud tools, and he's going to make he's going to make a lot of the same. You know, I was going to say stupid. That's too harsh. A lot of the same bad mistakes that um, that Myers makes. Dumba will make those too. So, but I do think he's better at this at this current time. So, yeah, I think you'd be in it. But again, you got the first thing has to happen first. So, we'll see. And that's hashtags for today. Harrison Price from Wall Center and a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group. Applewood Auto Group is proud to be a leader in community giving. Applewood's mission is to make things better for our communities and the people that we work with every every day. Whether providing resources for education kids, sponsoring local events, Applewood Auto Group stands behind its mission of creating lasting change in our community. Get the best-in-class experience that only the Applewood Auto Group can deliver. Bodog poll question today asking you what Canuck prospect, which Canuck prospect has you most excited? Jonathan LeCaramacki, Archer Silovs, Tom Wheelander, or you can vote for other and do let us know who you're talking about if you do vote other. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Bodog, line of the day from me. Well, the Caps are going to have some players back on Saturday. But given the defending we saw last weekend and the fact that they're a pretty good goal-scoring outfit, I'm going over two and a half goals against the Sounders on Saturday. You okay with that? I usually will take the over yeah, with minus 110 on your Bodog line of the day. Here he is, one half of the ring play duo with Andrew Wadden, our Vancouver Canucks reporter. He was at development camp and can give us a answer on the poll question. How are you, Jeff Patterson? I'm doing well. Yeah, back in the rink last night. Yeah, yeah. 
So answer me the poll, and then we'll move on to the events you saw this past week here at UBC. Yeah, I suppose uh, I'd go Willander on the on the poll just because it's such an area of need, and you know now I want to see this guy develop, and I love the path going to to Boston U, uh, which is a little unconventional, obviously, for a, a European defender. So uh, I know the Canucks are excited that he's going to be on this side of the pond, and their player development staff will have uh, ample opportunities to work with him and and talk to him and and help him develop. So. Uh, you know, I watched that prospect scrimmage last night, and you're reminded that, uh, boy, the prospect pool could still use uh, an awful lot. That, uh, you know, all due respect to the guys that are out there, uh, you know, I thought the effort level was high. It very much looked like an early July scrimmage of a bunch of prospects that uh, have never seen each other or played right. with each other. And if anybody was expecting this to be any sort of midseason hockey, they were probably disappointed. But then again, the people that made the effort in early July to get up and go to UBC, they just wanted their hockey fix. So I don't imagine many people were disappointed uh, seeing these guys do their thing and, and go through the motions last night. Uh, Jonathan LaCaramacchi with a uh, rousing endorsement from Chris Higgins. We played the clip earlier, Jeff. Uh, looked a new player this year. And of course, it was the second half of the season where he really shone. In Sweden, just remind us here a little bit about Lakaramaki's game, and we got a question about he's going back to Europe next year. So, uh, give us your uh, assessment of Lakaramaki over the last few days. Yeah, I, look, I was out there Tuesday briefly, and those were just practices. And I am so loath to judge or grade anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't do that during the regular season practices. Practice, and that's all. Really, all this was. You know, lots of coaches on the ice, so uh, the coach-to-student to ratio was uh, pretty incredible, actually. So, you know, it's great hands-on. And if you remember last year, uh, LeCaramacchi came directly from the draft in Montreal, uh, was under the weather. Uh, you know, I just think there was an awful lot that maybe uh, he had been through and it kind of caught up with him because he, he didn't look great at last year's camp. And unfortunately, you know, that's the first visual for a lot of people, and already people wanted to write this guy off, and he's a bust, and... Uh, you know, as you said, uh, got off to a tough start, but finished strong, earned a contract. And yeah, I mean, he had a little more jump. He shoots from everywhere. Like that is his calling card that this guy is a shooter and he can score from distance. And nobody was keeping statistics last night. At least I hope nobody. I hope there was nobody <laughs> in the ring with a little you know, shot chart. But like, you know, they played two halves, 25 minutes. Uh, I would venture that he put 10 or 12 pucks towards the net. Scored once, uh, nice goal. People have probably seen the video. The Canucks uh, caught it on film. Uh, but he's just not afraid to shoot at all. I want to see some of his playmaking develop. You can't just, every time you cross the blue line, can't whip a puck on net. Like, you know, I know that people say, hey, you know, the wor- there are worse options than shooting a puck. But uh, as he continues to grow and develop his game, I want to see a little bit more uh, creativity from him. I want to see him get to some areas, I suppose, maybe win a few battles to get pucks and then use his teammates. But at this stage and at this level, uh, this guy is just a volume shooter and he's got a big time shot. So, you know, he's playing to his strength. Now he just has to, to round out the rest of his game. I don't mind that that profile, though. Um, I mean, sure, you want a guy more well-rounded, as you say, especially alongside Petey, right? Mean. Like, I like I don't. We thought Besser was that. Besser's not a shoot-first mentality. I mean, do the Canucks even own that guy right now? And, and uh, I don't know. That, that's that's not a bad thing to have in your quiver if you're the Canucks. I guess Kuzmenko's a uh, volume tipper, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> front of the net. Different though. But uh, if you're talking about a circle shooter, I mean, Petey might be that that guy. But yeah. of course, he's starting to feed pucks around too. So we'll see. 
Yeah, and I think early on, like when Brock Besser burst out of the scene, the Canucks needed him to score because they didn't have anybody else that mm-hmm. scored goals for them. And then obviously, as they started to amass some, some better talent, you know, Bo Horvat emerged as a goal scorer. Elias Pettersson shows up on the scene and is now a legitimate goal scorer, Kuzmenko Miller. So, you know, there are goal scoring options and Brock has had to sort of change his game. And yet I think a lot of us still uh, are stuck on him being the guy that broke into the NHL with 29 goals as a rookie and scored in that first game that he ever played in Minnesota and all those types of things. So, you know, the team has changed around him. Uh, I do think his game has evolved a little bit. And yeah, like, you know, Lekaramaki is going to be a 19-year-old playing in the Swedish Hockey League this year. So he's still remarkably young. I think he, I hope he's got some growing, maybe not get taller, but just fill out, get a little bit stronger. And it'll be interesting to see. Because uh, you're right, like not everybody is blessed with that talent of being able to, you know, beat goaltenders cleanly with a shot. And he can, but that can't be your only option, no. especially on North American <laughs> ice where time and space gets taken away uh, in a hurry. So, yeah, it's going to be fun to watch his growth and development. Michael Samuelson, obviously, over there keeping close tabs on him. And Michael Samuelson knew a thing or two about putting pucks yes, in the net at the National Hockey League level. So, you know, I think the Canucks are in pretty good hands. Samuelson was one of the coaches last night. And uh, he does seem like, uh, you know, the right man for the job overseeing uh, their stable of European prospects. Any other eyes bugging out moments, whether it was in practice or in games? I mean, as you say, we're not judging the the player, but just any moments really. Oh, that was a good shot or that guy's pretty damn fast. Any any of those kind of moments? You know what? I, I wanted there to be a few of those moments. I didn't really think that there, <laughs> yeah. there was a ton last yeah. night. It was a close game. There was one goal scored in the first half. Uh, you know, one of the guys that jumped out at me, and, and he's just undeniable in his size, is the big Belarusian goaltender that they signed late last season, Nikita Tolopilo. Uh, and he was terrific. He pitched a shutout in his half of uh, the game that he played, and just really strong Jacob Markstrom vibes. I mean, there, there are so many big goaltenders now, but this guy, like, he's at the top end of big, like, at mm-hmm. least 6'6", and then on skates, and, you know, just fills out the net uh, and sounded... I, I didn't get a chance to talk to him, but those that did this week... You know, just soaking this up, really uh, excited to be in the organization. Said he had a couple of options, but really wanted to work with Ian Clark. So another ringing endorsement for, you know, the the job that Ian Clark has done developing goaltenders, particularly a lot of European goaltenders. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see. I mean, there's already intrigue about the goaltending sort of depth chart and where it's all going to shake down. And and I put him at a lower level. He's not, I don't think, in any sort of position to battle for an NHL job uh, out of training camp. But how many starts does he get? Is he a guy in Abbotsford? You know, they went and brought in Zach Sachenko over the weekend. So it's starting to get a little cluttered in Mm -hmm. the crease for the Vancouver Canucks. So that'll be sort of an interesting battle. But he just stood out to me. Uh, and I suppose Vilmer Ulrichsen, the other big, tall guy, they contested what had to have been one of the tallest shootouts on record uh, in any level of hockey. Because after the game last night, uh, they went through the emotions. They did a shootout. And uh, Ulrichsen actually scored a, a really nice goal in the shootout on Tulipilo. Uh, but that's a that's a whole lot of you know, hockey player out there, uh, both of them at 6'6". <laughs> uh, and, and then some. Uh, it's funny because Ulrichsen... You know, when they drafted him last week, and again, it was just a name, and you see his stats, and, you know, six foot six already at 18 years of age, and he stands out, and he had opportunities in the game last night, but I also think you got a glimpse of some of the things that have held him back. Uh, you know, it looked like he was fighting the puck a fair bit, and I just look at a guy that that big at 18 years of age playing in the junior league over in Sweden, you'd think he could just lean on a lot of his opponents, you know, get to the front of the net and pound a few pucks home, and... 
for whatever reason, the, the statistics, the counting stats weren't there for him. So, you know, very much a project. That's part of why he was drafted in the fourth round. But, uh, you know, you're drawn to him just because uh, he truly is a, a head taller than just about anybody else that's out there on the ice. The other guy is Yanni Yermo looks the part. And... You know, a 2020 draft, so it's been a few years of development. It's go time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, 6'3", uh, got a pretty strong build, skates well, and I asked Chris Higgins about him afterwards and just said, like, you know, to the eye, I mean, he, he checks off a lot of the boxes, kind of what's the holdup or, you know, what does he have to work on? And, and Chris just said, continues to have to, you know, process the game that it's not necessarily what's happening, it's what's going to happen and sort of try to get that one step ahead. And I guess they've got uh, some issues with him, you know, and the fact that uh, they're not bringing him over to play in North America this year, so he'll go back in another year. And uh, in Finland, again, all the raw tools are there, but you're right, it does kind of feel like go time and it'll be interesting to see if he ever amounts to to anything uh, in this Vancouver Canuck organization. Mm -hmm. An unfair question, maybe an unfair ask of him, but did Tom Wheelander look a year away from being an NHL player? I'd say no, but again, it was uh, July the 5th, you know, mm-hmm. week after he was drafted. Uh, summer camp, he had some moments. I, I don't think he was at his best last night, and I know there were expectations, but when I watched him in... You know, in the practice on Tuesday, like just the the, the raw skills are there. Like a fluid skater uh, makes it look relatively easy. And he did a couple of good things last night, you know, settling plays down, creating some space for himself. Some of those little things that aren't going to bring people out of their seats. But, you know, it told me a little bit about his anticipation and the way that he was processing the game. Um, but again, another guy that, you know, he's got to fill out. There's no doubt. And I think he recognizes that, that, you know, probably 6'1", but maybe 180 pounds. Uh, so there's some growing to do there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think we all have to be so cautious just to, you know, people get their first look at a guy like this. You're excited. And you want to think 11th overall pick in an NHL draft up against late round picks, free agent invitees, guys that will never touch NHL ice. You, you want to believe that he's going to pop. And that's why I said, like, he was okay last night. I don't want to give people the wrong impression. I don't think he struggled. I mm. just, you know, he didn't live up to maybe the billing that some uh, would have shown up at UBC expecting this guy to hands down be the best player yeah. on the ice. One sneaky name I brought up on our uh, one of our social videos, and and that you, you may not have spotlighted him at all, but you can speak to just a, a forgotten name. Kirill Kudratsev had a really nice junior year this year, and I don't think anybody regards him in the Canucks cupboard at all, but... I mean, he had a really nice junior year last year, uh, you know, and may recoup something from the seventh round here for the Canucks. Yeah, and the Canucks signed, signed him. I mean, clearly yeah. they mm-hmm. saw something there early enough to, you know, offer him a, a contract. I, I noticed him fleetingly last night, and I mm-hmm. did, I'd seen the video, so I knew you guys had talked about him, and maybe yep. subconsciously I thought I better watch out uh, <laughs> for this guy. Uh, you know, him and Dmitry Sladeyev uh, was another guy. Sladeyev scored a nice penalty shot goal and had a couple of moments, and his motor was always running. You know, again, among the older of the prospects. That's right. Probably <laughs> recognizing that, uh, you know, there won't be many more development camps, but there may not be many more opportunities for him uh, in this organization. So, uh, you know, for years, defense was a position of weakness. When I look organizationally now, I mean, they may not have the blue chippers. They certainly hope Willander is. But on volume, when you add a Cole McWard, Nikito Hiroshi, and others, you know, they're starting to have some options. And now, you know, it's kind of that lottery ticket, right? You just hope that uh, a few of these... Uh, and we'll DPD, right? Absolutely. starting to look like something. Flood the zone, flood the position, yep. <laughs> hope that the cream rises. 
Jeff, you're under no obligation to indulge Blake's B-sides and deep cuts on the prospect <laughs> file. And, uh, Blake, the reason no one's talking about him, because he's a seventh-round Russian with a difficult sur- surname to pronounce. Yeah, just so. say it fast. You just say it fast. And yeah. it, can't be, so. it can't be wrong. Okay, everybody is talking about Elias Pettersson a little bit, too, on, on D- DPD. Um, I mean, he's is he risen to the first echelon of a prospect, at the very least? Yeah. Again, when I talk about Yanni Yermo, like, to the eye... Yermo looks like he should be a player. Uh, the other Elias Pettersson, certainly, you know, a year, like I saw him last year at camp, he has filled yeah. out, he's grown up. Uh, I thought he had a nice first period last night. He and Willander were paired together for the most part, although, again, and that's another thing to keep in mind for people that weren't there, uh, you know, they don't have two full rosters. Like, they had three lines, and, you know, one of the teams, I think, had five or six, maybe they had six defensemen, but guys were playing with different partners, uh, different line combinations, and again, that just kind of spoke to the lack of f- fluidity in the hockey game. But uh, yeah, the other EP40, you know, he's big, he's physical, and I noticed that even on Tuesday in drills. Like this is a guy that finishes every check, positionally sound. Uh, you know, seems to skate reasonably well for a, a big guy. So yeah, I think he's tracking in the right direction. Again, this is uh, you know a year removed from his draft, so still relatively young. I would think uh, a couple of years away. Uh, maybe goes back and plays in Sweden this year, and then we'll see what the Vancouver Canucks have in store for him. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's to me, having watched him last year, seen some growth, he certainly looks like uh, he has progressed. Mm. And then you hope that this is another big development year for him. It's just nice to see guys tracking, right? Because yeah. like, no, the, there I, are regression years the, immediate, the, the, the minute you get drafted, too. And we're too. not too far away from the organization being so thin that, you know, tracking was not really a thing or you know (laughs) they track okay great they moved from the Elsvenskan to the Swedish League and you know you're still miles away from the National Hockey League Jeff switching gears here I saw you wrote about it for your hockey news page I was certainly caught off guard by the news yesterday that at age 62 Alain Vigneault says he's retiring from coaching a a, a word or two about the uh, the news we got from our old friend AV yesterday I don't know that I'm shocked. Uh, you know, obviously his phone wasn't ringing, and my sense is that uh, you know he, he wasn't going to step back and be an assistant coach at this stage of his career. And so I think head coaching opportunities probably had vanished. Uh, I know that there were some that questioned whether the game had passed him by. Uh, at, didn't somebody call him a dinosaur? I think in, in Philadelphia, and and he didn't coach at all last year. He was fired by the Flyers uh, in December of 2021. So uh, I think. You know, the, the writing was on the wall there. And look, he had an incredible career. 1,300-plus uh, regular season games, a whole bunch more in the playoffs, uh, winning his coach in Canucks history. I was fortunate to have been on the beat uh, for every one of his games. The best era of Vancouver Canuck hockey, uh, you know, took the Sedins and Kessler and molded that group, obviously, and some of the things that they did with offensive zone starts and the way that they put players in positions to succeed. And obviously, getting Roberto Luongo into the fold, uh, great goaltending, makes great coaches. Uh, Two Stanley Cup finals, obviously didn't get his hands on the Stanley Cup, but he was a coach of the year early on in his uh, tenure with the Vancouver Canucks. And I just always appreciated uh, you know, his demeanor. I mean, he was serious behind the bench, but I think he recognized that uh, he was among the fortunate ones in life that was getting yes. to do what he loved to do. And it was a game at the end of the day. Yes, it's big yes. business and big money, but... Uh, you know, between the lozenge and the en français uh, at the end of uh, every media availability, you know, there was just a perspective that I always enjoyed. And then as I got out on the road and traveled uh, for those three seasons, when I ran into him, whether it was, uh, you know, in New York, in Philadelphia, whatever the case, 
you know, always uh, had a moment just mm-hmm. at the end of his scrum to see the, the local Vancouver guys there and stop and, and check in with us. And so always appreciated uh, uh, my time in and around Alain Vigneault, one of the good guys. And fortunately for him, you know, not just 2011 and falling short in Game 7, but the following year with the President's Cup and getting, or the President's Trophy and getting uh, eliminated by an 8th seed. Now we know that those Kings were a special 8th seed. I think the really disappointing one, and you guys were there that night in San Jose getting swept by the mm. Sharks as the higher seed in 2013 really just kind of felt like it was time to turn the page, and ultimately yeah. that's yeah. what the Vancouver Canucks did. You're uh, absolutely right. He had great perspective, uh, understanding where he was and how lucky he was. He was a fantastic people person, still is a fantastic people person. I think the happiest I ever heard him, Blake, we interviewed him during the lockout and he mentioned to us that he had had the opportunity to go and watch one of his daughters play basketball where she was playing in Montreal. And it was sort of a moment where you could tell uh, Alain uh, knew that there was a lot of sacrifices that him and his family made for him to chase the NHL dream. And uh, I, I do hope he gets his fill uh, of his family time from here on out. Uh, marvelous stuff, Jeff. You're sitting in for me tomorrow, so thank you for that, and we'll catch up uh, next week. All right, guys. Thanks. Oh, to the people. To the people. Yes. Let's, let's go to those people, shall we? I have to go to the people. and miss the people there. It's been a long, frustrating time for people here. To the people we go. And to the people brought to you by our man of the people, Jason Hominick of Jason.Mortgage. But here's the thing. Jason doesn't just do residential mortgages. He does commercial, too. If you're a business owner looking to buy your building, a builder, developer looking for options beyond your bank, get Jason's expert opinion. Find him at Jason.Mortgage. What do we got from the people today, Price? Uh, well, let's get to some of the reaction to uh, one of our show videos about Tyler Myers, similar to our poll question yesterday uh, from Matt under no circumstances move Myers for LeBanc that makes zero sense Van already has too many forwards and not enough D that said I think Myers will be moved after his five million dollar bonus is paid on September the first before the season starts but Vancouver will then replace him with another D man Mm, ideally all that sensible I mean I think he's going to be here longer because they're trying to win and I think that's a awkward time to try and make trade but uh, as you mentioned as you mentioned earlier this week, if, if you're making a lateral move there and just saving some cap space, I could see that uh, as well. Darren Dreger told us that the Philadelphia Flyers were pushing Travis Sanheim on the Vancouver Canucks. Malcolm says, would have done it for OEL. <laughs> yeah, you think? <laughs> yeah. You think? I'm not sure the Philadelphia Flyers would and and the risk is that Sandheim turns into an OEL contract down the road. Well, that's it. I mean, yeah. I think the Flyers are having the same problem with yeah Sandheim in that the contract is just so long it runs through the thirty thirty one season at six and a quarter that you sit there and look at the player and go, okay, good player now, but has played a lot of minutes, a lot of miles. What's he going to look like at age thirty when you still have three or four years left? A good rule of thumb here from Beast Mode, um, unless the last name is Hughes or Pedersen, I don't want a single other eight-year deal on this team. absolutely not, including the goaltender. Yeah, absolutely not. he's signed through, you know, he's got still term left, so he's getting to the age where you wouldn't do that anyways. But no, that's absolutely right. 
Uh, Ray says, thank God the Canucks cannot afford those type of deals for non-game-breaking players. And that's very fair with Travis Hanheim. He is mm-hmm. not going to be a difference maker on a lot of nights. On acquiring a third-line uh, third center beyond Teddy Bluger, we talked about this with J-Pat, Perry says, if they move on from one of the wingers who other teams would want, who have some offense to their game, they would need to replace it with an equivalent capable point-producing centerman, but then he wouldn't have the quality in those wingers to make it happen. Quite the dilemma. That's fair here. I mean... But good centers... Connor gives you... Connor Garland gives you something. Good centers elevate wingers, though. And finding replacement-level wingers is a lot easier. It's not that much of a dilemma. Wonder, wondering if you can find a decent scoring winger is not a dilemma in the National Hockey League. It's not. And Garland's mustache, I wish this was true. He says Ratu's going to come into camp and will snatch the 3C. I would love that to be true, Garland's mustache. Alas, I do not have a single bit of confidence that that's going to happen. At least yeah. not this year for Ratu well, and, and Glenn gets to something that that frankly is absolutely right and just not something we have talked a lot about because number one, we're settling and number two, here's how the Vancouver Canucks have structured it. But he says a number two slash three center would be right up the rally. They're playing GT Miller at center. Some of the analytics point to JT Miller being a better winger in terms of a play driver at even strength, not to mention the defensive side of the puck that's yeah. more rigorous playing center ice. Ultimately, if they're a cup contender, they probably need a different number two center. With Miller playing on the wing in the top six, having that cover that if you lose a center, you still have a good offensive center left. I mean, we're not there yet. We're not that aspirational with the Vancouver Canucks. But that is one of the steps going forward. Okay, how about this? Two, three years down the road here. Mustard Sports. Honestly, the waiver wire might have a solid bottom six center option as teams set their rosters to start the season. From YouTube. It's possible. It is absolutely possible. I mean, there have been, you know, examples of some buyout players and whatnot who have, or non-qualified players who have, well, been helpful to I, new teams. Well, if a team needs compliance, they might fish with a with a a player on waiver wire. Maybe you don't, you don't have to send that player down necessarily. You can put them on waivers and keep them. But you know, you might see a player on waivers the week before opening night as a team says, you know what, we just don't have the room for this guy who makes three and a half million as our third Z. OMFG322 says, I don't hate any of these signings. They're all low risk, high potential to be good. No overpaying, no overextensions. It did almost all of what they needed to do with the cap space they had. I call it a B grade. Yep. True Seekers Canada says, last year's attempt to fix the penalty kill was not a total failure. McCaff was very effective in Toronto on the PK. The training camp injury really limited him. With this year's additions and a healthy McCaff, I think it's vastly improved. Could very well be. I, I also think that while, yes, it was bad, uh, I think it was also outlier bad. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you could trot back, play the exact same season with the exact same players, and it would be and better. It would be better. It would yeah, be better. That's probably fair, too. Johnny says, filled needs with one-year deals. Good way to do it until players emerge that are part of your long-term plans. Don't force it. Let those players grow in from the system. 
and reveal themselves. And I'm absolutely with you, Johnny. These are bridge players. But as I said last week, the big question is bridges to whom? Tom Wheelander in one case. But as we talked about earlier this week with Rick Dollywell, they haven't developed centers. They haven't developed defensemen. So you've got more candidates on defense now to develop. I'll give them that. Center is still an issue. I'm still not sure you have those homegrown players that you're going to require to be a contender because, of course, those homegrown players for the first few years, they play on cheap contracts. It allows you to spend more to supplement and support your core players. And we're not there because the number of draft picks the Vancouver Canucks have traded out and their failures in developing the draft picks they have made. As you uh, know, I was coming back on BC Ferries on Monday night. Um, An 8.30 ferry was supposed to get me home or at least into the terminal at 10, tucking into bed, maybe 10.40. Uh, I tucked into bed at 1.20 instead. Um, Tyler writes in, memo to BC Ferries, we like your style of setting the bar so low that when you do just a little better than normal, everyone is not grumpy with you. Signed, <laughs> Canuck Free Agency. It's so true. Oh, don't get me started on another BC transportation rant here. So Blake. BC Ferries sent away a boat to be fixed. It wasn't fixed in time, so they were a boat short all weekend over the course of the, yeah. Well, and the lineups at the terminal in Tawasson are just shocking. Like, I don't know how anyone would put themselves and their family through that. I don't understand the people that show up on long weekends without reservations. No. Like, what are you thinking? But, but I also don't understand how BC Ferries knows these long weekends are coming up and can't do better. Yeah. Because they are an extension of the Trans-Canada Highway, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. The people on the island rely on BC ferries to connect them to the mainland. Yeah. Hell, even the people on the Sunshine Coast rely. I'm surprised they can't add more Zaylins than they have. No. Yeah. Basketball Phil piling on. Tell me I'm wrong. Frankie secretly bought BC ferries and is running it into the ground. I don't think that's Mm. happened, but... We would have heard about it. Hot take from JC. Both the Kings and Rangers missed the playoffs this upcoming year. I'd have trouble with that on the Rangers yes. because of the goaltender, Jay. Yes. I also just think they're a good enough team. I, don't. I think both teams are yeah. good enough teams. But I think in the case of the New York Rangers, um, Shesterkin baselines you. Now, in the case of the LA Kings. Now, goalies are weird, though, Matt, too. Goalies no, are weird. No, they are. But, I mean, he's been pretty consistent. I'm not sure he's the next coming of Henrik Lundqvist, but he's been pretty consistent. Now, in the case of the Kings, Talbot and Copley. Oof. I don't know. And big save Dave. Yeah, yeah. I still don't Little know. Little save. They got no three save. goalies, 30-plus, and none of them are but good. What I will say <laughs> is that the Kings in previous years have not been able to outscore their mistakes. With the addition of Pierre-Luc Dubois this year, Coming off last summer with Fiala and Arvidsson, Dano now slots as your three C, and I still see offensive upside in Kaliev, in Byfield, and maybe even some of their other young forwards. Kempe Crestine, um, I mean, like he's. Mm-hmm. I, I, I as a hot take, I, I can get you to hot because it's just so damn scandalous. Yeah, but I really don't believe it has any chance of coming true. I, I will echo the hot. Hot, hot, hot. Kelly and Chilliwack. Chilliwack needs the WHL back. If the Aquilinas can fund that, it would be a real step up for Chilliwack. Would the WHL be too much competition? 
for the Abbotsford Canucks. It's funny because we heard from a friend this week. You were musing about, is there a bigger play for the Canucks' interest in the Chilliwack Chiefs BCHL franchise? I just thought it was Arena Operations because Arena Operations was what they took on in Abbotsford. In fact, a deal couldn't get done until they got Arena Operations in Abbotsford. They tried years ago, played hardball, and Abbotsford said no and then came crawling back to them when uh, they realized they had a white elephant on their hands. But is it a move to get a WHL team in Chilliwack, where, of course, once the Bruins played, didn't work. Ownership there moved it on to Victoria, where they became the Royals. Now, the Chiefs are a beloved BCHL franchise, and that was one of the reasons why the WHL didn't work. And the call seems beautiful. We've been there before, Blake. It's a very suitable rink. It's, in fact, one of the better, if I won't say the best, but one of the better BCHL barns. Um, But, yeah, that is an interesting thought. Are the Canucks looking to establish a WHL team, much like the Winnipeg? As I said yesterday, it it it, it didn't smell like what we heard on the surface Calgary, yesterday. It didn't smell like what we saw on the mm-hmm. surface yesterday was the actual play. Well, the other question, Kelly questions, would that be too much competition for the Abbotsford Canucks, which you would have to consider if you were yep. working in Canucks Sports Entertainment. The other thing is, is how does Ron Toygo feel about that at the WHL governor's table? Completely. He's playing in Langley. Now. They used to be Vancouver, remember? Back mm-hmm. in the, were they in Langley? I don't think so. When they were the WHL Chilliwack Bruins, Bruins. I don't, I think they were still for the most part at P&E, weren't oh, they? no, yeah. The yeah. Giants were playing at the Coliseum. Far, far away. Well, yeah, exactly. So, you know, does Ron Toygo look at it and go, wait a second. Like, the other thing I know, and Toygo has told us this years year after year, the second the folks in Nanaimo want to build a suitable rink, the WHL wants to expand there. Because that way you're going to the island not just for the one game against the Royals or two, if you're, but you get to play another team. Yeah. So it makes it more cost-efficient for teams to get on the aforementioned BC Ferries, Blake. I will believe it all when I see it, this Canuck acquisition in Chilliwack. Jerry and Langley, tell me I'm wrong. Next year's President's Cup in Montreal will have at least three Canadians on the international team. Maybe four. Here, here, Jerry. I'll tell you you're right. Not four. Three. Well, Mike can... Weir is the captain. Yeah. Mike Weir uh, was interviewed during Nick Taylor's run and said, well, you know, as a President's Cup captain, this is fantastic. But I think it's entirely possible for some combination of Connors, Hadwin, Taylor. And Hughes. Maybe even Svensson or Hughes. Well, those the big four, Hughes, Connors, sure. Taylor, Hadwin. Svensson isn't quite there yet, although no. Svensson's having a better year than, yeah. Yeah. than Hughes. The other thing, of course, is how good are the international players going to be next year? There are certainly some good young players from Korea that could rise up here. And also, what happens in the Live PGA Tour shakeout? And are suddenly the internationals who are on the Live Tour, and this is the likes of Ustazen and some of the South Africans, right? Yeah. Shut are, up. Are they eligible on the international playoff team? Uh, one last one. North Shore Dan wants to know, is Wheelander kind of like Matthias Olin 2.0? I'm, I'm not sure it's a direct comparison, Dan, because Oland was just such a truck, like a big, heavy, strong man. And I'm not sure we've seen that out of Tom Wheelander yet. But in terms of a steady, legit top four defenseman who doesn't blow you away with his offensive skills but contributes, that comparison, yeah. 
I could see that. We heard Dan Hamhuse is another option. Joined now by the national sports editor of the Daily Hive and their offside vertical. You know him as Rob the Hockey Guy on Twitter and maybe on threads as well. Mm-hmm. It's Mr. Rob you can follow me at, at Daily Hive Rob on uh, on threads. Oh, not, I'm not Rob the Hockey not, guys, Guy. I'm 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 not loving anything about this threads business. I've spent way too much time crafting my my Twitter account and everything. I can't mm-hmm. I can't start from zero. It's again. really Absolutely. hard starting from zero. I, I am also uh, uh, I also have anxiety about this. Yeah, it and, is. and I and I definitely don't want to be posting on both accounts. I already waste way too much time on Twitter, Facebook, exactly. Instagram, TikTok. Exactly. Yeah. What would it take for us though to fully move over? Like, what, like outside of Twitter, just ending. Like, if that's not on the table, what would it take for everybody just to collectively move over? Elon's pissed us all off enough. I mean, why don't we just all move over? But it's just the foundation, the deep roots, is preventing it. I think. No one wants to start. Yeah, I, over. I, I mean, I think it. You know, when you know when trades are being broken on on threads, but not on Twitter, like that's you know Ooh. that's when people are going to be moving. Yeah, over, yeah. Right? like it's when it's when when the when more of the information, when more of the action is happening on one rather. Than well, rather no, than no chronological timeline is pissing people off on threads. Uh, the fact that it's all algorithm it's, is is. Uh. I don't think you can use it on desktop either, yeah. and like, yeah. and I'm I need my tweet deck for Twitter, and like, there's no <laughs> there's no equivalent to that on Threads yet. So as much as uh, as much as I'm pissed pissed with Elon, um, yeah, I'm not I'm not looking forward to, to this new Thread Zero. Okay, well I'll tell you what, Rob, you can take this discussion with Grady Sass to your own personal chat room. You can <laughs> vent. Frustrate on Mastodon. Take all, yeah, exactly. Get all your frustrations out. Absolutely. Social media managers are are the most annoyed. They're crumbling. Got, They're I mean, crumbling. We, yeah. Our social media managers got to look after Daily Hive Vancouver, Daily Hive Cal- oh. Calgary. Daily, we've got a million different accounts, oh. and we've got to, we've had to switch oh over there. Gosh. The hardship. Yeah, that's right. That's right. No time for living anymore, which is what Elaine Vigneault wants to do, mm-hmm. right? He wants to <laughs> he wants to live. And I'm not surprised. Like, there's a lot of coaches you talk to that are hockey men, and they're just built to coach. Elaine Vigneault struck me as a guy who enjoyed a glass of vino and putting his feet up every now and then. I'm not surprised that he actually wants to have some retirement years. Yeah, I mean, good for, good for him calling in a career, uh, you know, I think he kind of, in a way, is almost underrated in in Canucks history. Like Pat Quinn, you know, you know the late Pat Quinn, of course, late great Pat Quinn. Who doesn't love Pat Quinn? But like he he's always got a lot more publicity and a lot more credit and a lot more, you know, has a higher place in Canucks folklore than Alan Vigneault. And I and I'm not trying to bring Pat Quinn down, but geez, AV. All-time winningest coach in Canucks history, uh, you know, took took the team to their highest of highs. Like you know, like the the team has never been better when Pat or when Alain Vigneault was their head coach. Uh, I almost wonder, like he doesn't get it. We don't. We never talk about him for for Ring of Honor. Why not? 
I think that's entirely appropriate, particularly given that Pat Quinn is already in the ring of honor. It's funny, we were kicking around a Bodog poll question today about best Canucks coach, and Grady said to us, Alain would win in a rout. And I went, well, Grady, every time we've asked something akin to that in the past, Pat Quinn has won. I think the big Irishman casts a long shadow, uh, still absolutely uh, beloved in this market. Plus, 94 was a little bit more of the plucky underdog magical run, whereas AV's 2011 team was supposed to win and didn't. The other thing I can tell you about Alain, um, he completely chafed, and he's been very honest about this, between jobs when he was no longer the Montreal Canadiens head coach, and remember just how young he was when he got that job, in scouting circles. I believe he went and scouted for the St. Louis Blues before getting back into coaching and working his way back up. So I don't think he's one of these coaches that sort of, you know, is interested by other jobs in a hockey operation. Mm -hmm. And I'm not even sure he's interested in being an assistant anymore, which is why I think we have gotten this word from him. Because, you know, the guy absolutely loves coaching and the big whistle. I just don't think he... He has it in him anymore to start again, if you will, at 62 years old. And plus his methods are not necessarily the most modern. Like he was not the warm and fuzzy players coach. You, we always also, we all used to say, you know, oh, AV is so charming. He's so great with fans and media. And he was, he was not that guy with his players. And I do wonder whether there's well, any Well, he was self- a big church and state guy, right? Like, he, uh, he, when he was around them, yeah, he could be hard, but he wasn't around them much. Like, he let the room be the room. He he wasn't overly involved in the room. He didn't stick his head in there when he didn't need to. He was in his office more often than not. Um, it was it was old school in that regard that he, uh, he let them – I mean, they were a but veteran group. So. I'm with Rob. I, I would hope the Vancouver Canucks – I mean, if this is it, because – you know, coaches are a little bit like boxers when they retire. You go, okay, yeah, until the next, <laughs> until the next big, big it's still possible, but and, and it's still possible. But if in fact this is the end for for Alan Vigneault as a as a NHL coach, I sure hope the Vancouver Canucks bring him back and honor him and toast him in some sort of way. And, and I'm with you, Rob. I do I do Ring of Honor. Yeah, I could I could imagine that happening. Yeah. I am interested to, to see what the reaction would be now, you know, after him retiring for best coach in Canucks history. Like you say, like, you know, there's a lot of support for Pat Quinn, but I, I wonder if that's just like a generational thing, right? Like, like do the 20 somethings all vote for, for AV and 50 plus all vote for Quinn and everybody and else is in the middle. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of wonder, wonder what what will happen with, with but that. But Pat Quinn but. had the grandpa-dad vibe that mm. made people feel safe. Olympia yeah. uh, didn't have that. <laughs> so I, I still think, I, I still think, despite it being um, a long time ago, I still think Pat Quinn wins that was, vote. But Was he yeah. was he the cool uncle or was <laughs> A.V.? Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> the nice neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, something like that. All right, Rob, uh, in true A.V. fashion now. En français. En français. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah. Speed, speed. Uh, Tyler Myers to San Jose. You're, you're not understanding it. Explain. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it makes ton, a ton of sense that the Canucks would have Tyler Myers on the trade block, be trying to move that salary and that that cap hit, right? Um, and I and I understand, I understand why his name would be out there. 
Kevin LeBanc, that's not much better of a contract. Um, you look at, and, and, and again, another winger, as the rumored deal, I don't know that that makes a ton of sense. And I thought it was interesting what Meyer's agent was, you know, essentially talking him up as like freely admitting that, that Tyler Myers will be a good trade chip uh, at, the, at the coming trade deadline. I tend to agree. And I, you look at the Canucks, like without Tyler Myers on defense, like it's a bit of a hole back there. Like they, they, they could use him on the blue line. If they lose Myers, they're going to have to replace him with another defenseman. I don't think they need another winger. Uh, who are you going to spend that money on? There's, there's, you know, there's not a lot of, there's not a ton of intriguing free agents. Uh, if you're only saving, you know, like less than a million dollars uh, by picking up a guy like LeBanc, and who's going to have more value, but value at the deadline? Is it going to be LeBanc or is it going to be Myers? I think it's going to be Myers. Mm. You know, big right shot defenseman. Uh, you know, say what you want about Myers. You know, with some pedigree, you know, they're still picking him for World Championship teams and. And, uh, and, and that sort of thing. I think Myers is going to have more value at the deadline. And I think you've come this far with him, you know, yeah. just wait, wait a few more months and, and see if you can actually get an asset in return rather than just, uh, you know, giving him away. For Except free. they need cap space. Well, I, I'm of two minds. I agree with every syllable Rob Williams just said. And I'd also add, not a poor skater and actually better with the puck than, than most defensemen of that size. Now, you know, he's not without his foibles. He takes a lot of penalties. There are some giveaways and some maddening zone coverage plays where you just go, <laughs> what is Myers thinking? But I, I agree with you that it could be attractive. Uh, I, I'm of two minds. Um, number one, do exact, exactly as you say. But guys, they still have a hole at third line center. Uh, Pius Suter still out there. Dollywell told us yesterday that, you know, they're still looking for a third line center, that big winger as well. If you're moving out Myers and can shed the cap space, as this one says, and not have to take back LeBanc, then maybe you're in the ball game for that upgrade at third line center and a bigger winger. Oof. So you fill think, two birds. Well, I mean, it's I a, it's a $6 space. million dollar hit, Blake. But and you're I know, two over. I know. Okay. So you're $4 million, yeah. let's say. Mm, you know, I, I that might two be uh, where you can fill two holes uh, at the cost of one and then cross your fingers and hope that Noah Jolson and others can hold down that third pair right side spot. Rob? I mean, yeah, I mean, if you can get rid of his salary right now and not have to take anything back, absolutely you get rid of him right away and, and try to fill those spots in, in different ways with with $6 million of of, of newfound cap space but who's signing up for that even the teams that are at the you know you know maybe i could see a, a team on the on the cap that's you know like like arizona coyotes on the cap floor uh you know after his his bonus has been paid i could see that then maybe but even then like teams don't want to like that's a no that's the like, trouble they realize that they're doing the the, the canucks yep. a favor here uh, you know, as much as they'd like to have a player for just uh, like Myers for just a million dollars, he can mentor other defensemen. Uh, you know, be a bit of a leader. I think there's some value there, but they also realize that they're you know doing the Canucks a major favor, and they're not going to just do that for nothing. Correct. Uh, that bonus remains a very, very tricky hurdle to overcome. Uh, Rob, marvelous stuff. Thank you for this, and we'll catch up next Thursday. See you on Threads. Till then. Yes. Until then. 
to Harrison Price from Wall Center, a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group. You can text us, 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips, it is going to be great. Harrison omissions from yesterday's program, I have three. Have you noticed that we've got two partners on this show mm-hmm. that have fantastic taglines? Yes. It's yes. going to be great, and it's all good at yeah, Applewood. No, the G words. Love it. Coming in strong. Mm -hmm. And memorable. Yeah. That's what makes a good deadline. That's right. I have three from yesterday's program. Okay. Uh, I said the final Donnie and Dolly show was Friday. It's today, Thursday. Word from another Swedish friend that the word Oliver Ekman Larson used back home when talking about his Vancouver Canucks tenure we reported that he said, I wasn't so fucking bad, as people mm-hmm. said. We're told the word now doesn't really directly translate to fucking. Mm. More along the lines of crappy. I'm told it's a word that you can use in most companies. So perhaps not as harsh as the F word. And then I hope Grady's with me on this one. Uh-oh. Blake mused if the NHL is going to slow down. Yeah. Bigger guys getting drafted, bigger contracts in free agency. Blake's sitting here thinking the athleticism is going to get worse in the National Hockey League? Yeah. In what world? Copycat League. Everyone saw what Vegas did with their big mobile defense. But they're mobile. Well, I, I, I think it's it's in relation to what big guys used to before. You're not telling me. It's now fast big guys. The big guys aren't slow anymore. Faster big guys. They are not fast as fast as the guys that are 5'11". No, they are not. They are big. They're fast for being big guys. But they are not as fast as the 5'11 versions of those players. No, they are not. Yeah. All right. Bodog line of the daytime with you. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, sports odds, who you like, what you got. Uh, Rice and John draws back into the lineup for the Calgary Stampeders. Ah. The SFU product. Former SFU product, or I guess you're always an SFU product. Cups of coffee in the NFL. Uh, Big target. Oh, is he ever? Like 6'7", isn't he? Anytime touchdown score, plus 440 for Rice and John. Who are they playing? Uh, It's the Calgary Stampeders and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Ah. Yeah. Lions will be interested in that one. Yeah. Yeah. On your Bodog line of the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder to follow us and Rick White wherever you get your podcasts. And please do support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.